Good morning. Wow, that was a good, good morning. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Welcome to worship at Northminster this morning. Whether you're here in person or viewing this service over our YouTube channel, we're so happy that you are with us. And if you're visiting with us, we're particularly happy and we welcome you. Uh, and we hope you, that you'll participate in all aspects of our worship service. And if you're here in person, that includes communion. There, uh, we have communion here every Sunday at Northminster, and this table is Christ's table. It does not just belong to Northminster, and so we invite all of you to participate. Just follow the instructions in the order of worship or follow the person in front of you. Hopefully, they know what they're doing. Uh, our first gift to God always in worship is our gift of, of presence, our, our simply being here. And so if you would, please, to indicate your presence this morning, if you would uh, take the attendance register you'll find there in the hymn book holders on the inside aisle and record your presence here with us this morning. And as Jillian always says, if you could please write legibly, that would help us to know who's here and how to get in touch with you. We promise, as she also says, not to show up at your house. Uh, we'll, we'll try to do that some other way, like email or text or, or a letter. Uh, as most of you know, Pastor Jillian and Reverend Jason Smith, our, our guest preacher and worship leader, are swapping pulpits today. Uh, Jillian's in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, uh, preaching and leading in worship at First Presbyterian Church, where uh, Jason is the part-time pastor. And more about Jason in a minute. J uh, Jillian will be driving back this afternoon and hopes to be with us tonight, or at least she'll be back in the office tomorrow. And as usual, children, please come up on the uh, uh, last verse of the opening hymn for the children's message. And in Pastor Jillian's absence, Miss Beth will be presenting the children's message. Tonight, we'll have our bi-monthly uh, potluck supper and business meeting, but the venue's going to be different, uh, and we'll be saying a special goodbye and Godspeed to Samuel Boating, uh, who will be leaving us at the end of July. Samuel, who's back there, we are going to miss you a lot. Uh, Samuel came to ULM uh, from Ghana four, four years ago. It's hard to believe. Uh, to pursue a Ph.D. in pharmacology. He joined our church and has provided really important leadership in several areas during his time with us. He's successfully defended his dissertation recently and will be awarded his Ph.D. in August. Congratulations, Samuel. Uh, and then he will be returning in, in, uh, in December to actually walk because uh, ULM doesn't have a graduation ceremony at the end of, of the summer term, so they will be doing that in December. So we'll be looking forward to your being back, and we hope we'll have a big Northminster crowd at, at that uh, special time. Uh, for now, he's moving to Dallas, where he'll pursue further studies in, in computer technology. Uh, so tonight we want to wish Samuel a fond farewell, and everything will be at DH in my house. And I hope, uh, are the instructions, or the address at least, on the insert to the order of worship? I forgot to look. Uh, I hope so. 
if not, ask Dh or me or somebody else. Uh, I think everybody knows pretty much where our house is. It's about two minutes from here, so not far and easy to find. Uh, swimming, mostly for kids, we think. <laughs> well, with snacks and drinks, we'll begin about five o'clock. So if that, you know, uh, the pool is a little tepid, but uh, uh, the ones that were in it yesterday afternoon seem to enjoy it, yeah. Uh, potluck about six o'clock. So if we're gonna eat, somebody needs to bring some food. And then we'll have, <laughs> a short business meeting at seven o'clock like we usually do. So please try to plan to join us for this special time tonight. And in case it's pouring down rain like it did last night, we'll revert to our usual schedule and be here at six for potluck and business meeting at seven. Uh, remember that right after worship, there's a fellowship time where we encourage everyone to stay and visit and there'll be a, a little something to drink and hopefully a little something to eat. And I noticed that no one has signed up for next week. So uh, if, if that's something that strikes your fancy, it's really pretty simple to just make sure that we have uh, some juice or something to drink and maybe some cookies to eat. Uh, and uh, so if somebody would take that responsibility later. We so appreciate Peggy Kasky. Peggy's back there on the back row where her usual spot for the beautiful flowers this morning in honor of Tracy and Mary Sando, uh, particularly Mary's 90th birthday that she celebrated just a few days ago. Uh, and uh, Mary is not here this morning, so uh, you're free at once the service is over to come and, uh, and take flowers. Uh, and, uh, uh, and by the way, I should say Tracy is 92. Uh, so we, we a uh, couple that have been, uh, they're founding members at Northminster and, and been a great loving part of this fellowship for all these years. As always, please review the insert in the order of worship for other announcements and opportunities or check out our newsletter. Reverend Jason Smith is no stranger to Northminster, having been with us on many occasions uh, over the last 10 years. Uh, mostly then as development director of the Alliance of Baptists. Uh, now, besides being part-time pastor at First Pres in Arkadelphia, his full-time job is executive director of BPFNA Bautistas Pour La Paz, or otherwise known as Baptist Peace Fellowship of North America. We welcome Jason back today with wife Myra and uh, Children Margie and Santi, who are here in the sanctuary, and I assume Teddy and Elton are back in the back. Uh, sort of their instant family. When we first met uh, Jason and Myra, uh, they didn't have kids, and then all of a sudden they have four. And that's a, a long story. We're so glad to have you all here with us this weekend. And Jason will now come and bring us greetings and lead us in the, in the call to worship, Jason. Thank you, Craig. 
It is a joy to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Jason Smith. I am the executive director of the Baptist Peace Fellowship and uh, I bring greetings from peacemakers around the world, Baptist peacemakers around the world. We gather together and mobilize and equip peacemakers together to do the work of peace with justice everywhere and invite you to join us, join us in this work. Um, it's good to be with you this, this morning, and thanks to, for Pastor Jillian for the opportunity to be here. And thank you, too, for your partnership with um, your partners around the world, with your partners at the Iglesia Bautista Emanuel in Ciego de Avila, which I had the chance to visit on a Northminster trip this past January. So it was good to be with you, and thank you for your strong partnerships for peace and justice here in Monroe, for rooting yourselves in the peace of the gospel message here. I am so grateful, and we are grateful for you being peacemakers here in this place. When I preached here for the first time, I think it was 2015, I remember being very nervous coming up to this pulpit with such a grand figure seated behind me, a preaching legend, someone I'd heard about, someone I knew about. Several days after I preached that sermon, I emailed Welton, and I said, Thank you for the opportunity to share, but could you give me a few tips on how I did with my sermon? Did I, did I do okay, or did, could you just give me some pointers, maybe? I'll never forget. He emailed me back, and he offered neither praise nor criticism. He offered me wisdom. He wrote, Jason, it's not my position to evaluate the message that you receive from reading God's scripture to God's people. I'm not in a position to judge that message, and so if you're telling the truth, you're telling the truth. I'll tell you that's the best piece of preaching advice I have ever received. And I am so grateful for Welton as a mentor for me and for so many of us for his gift that he gave our lives of telling the truth. And thanks to this place for supporting that truth-telling endeavor that continues to this very day. Friends, let's open now with a call to worship and invoke the Spirit's presence and call ourselves to this space. We believe in a word that forms on the lips of the Creator and echoes in our souls. We believe in a word that breaks the silence of evil and disturbs the noise of ignorance. That word is love. We believe in a word that brings life out of death and laughter with the morning. That word is love. We believe in a word that tears up the darkness, flooding it with light. That word is love. We believe in a word that speaks to all loneliness with self-giving compassion and care. We believe in a word that speaks to our futures, calling us by name to trust anew and believe once more in the word love.
A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of God is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then Jesus sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. shall we pray together. Holy God, we give you thanks for the opportunity to gather together to experience this time as a community. Holy God, we come with all of who we are. We come with all that is on our minds in this moment, with all of the questions Seeking you, O God. We know that you have asked us, who do you say that you are? Well, God, we also ask, who do you say that we are? Sometimes you ask us what we believe about you, O God. Who do you say that we are, O God? Do you believe we are rocks like Peter Or do you believe that we are cowards, crumbling as the cock crows? Do you believe we have the strength of Shipra and Pua, that we are brave enough to realize the hopes and dreams of this world? Or do you not believe in us, O God? We come to ask these questions here, O God, because sometimes we don't feel like rocks. Sometimes we don't feel like we have the strength inside. We say, no, don't build anything on this ground, O God. We're not strong, we're not faithful enough, we're not healthy enough. So God, in this moment, speak a word to us. Invite us into this time to remind us that you do believe in us. God, help us to believe in each other. Help us to believe in ourselves. Help us to believe together that we can live out your way of love. Holy God, we pray for all of these names on this prayer list. For those in illness, for those experiencing physical pain, for those 
suffering mental health challenges, we ask your compassion and your presence. Guide us on how we can be hands and feet and embodied presence to heal those in our midst in all of the ways we can. And guide us in this time of worship to hear your holy scripture, O God, to feel your spirit move in us, to remind us that you do indeed, you do indeed believe in us, O God. Help us to believe in each other and our work of peace and justice and love here in the world, a world that so terribly needs you, O God. Help us to live out this love on this day and throughout our days ahead. We ask these things in the name of the one that we follow, the one Jesus Christ, the one we call Jesus Christ. Amen.
A reading from Exodus. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we. Come let us shrewdly deal with them, or they will increase, and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they sent taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramses, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians subjected the Israelites to hard servitude and made their lives bitter with hard servitude in mortar and bricks and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other one Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women, if it is a son, kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, God gave them families. A story of creative truth-telling in the face of oppression. Thanks be to God. Well, in the summer of 2012, I had the opportunity to join my church in Washington, D.C., Calvary Baptist Church, on a visit. We visited a partner congregation in El Salvador, in Central America. And we went not on a mission trip necessarily to build anything. We went to learn. We went to listen. We went to make relationships. We went to experience El Salvador through various lenses, to experience the beauty of a new place, to dive into the culture. And I was very eager to eat as many corn fritter pupusas as possible. Any pupusa fans out there? Yeah, definitely recommend it. But one of the themes, too, of our time was a heavy one, was going to hear stories, to explore and learn about a heavy theme, the horrors of the El Salvador Civil War that spanned the 1980s. The trip was led by our associate pastor, Edgar Palacios, who had been an active part of the movement for peace during the Civil War. And he told us in order to learn about the peace process, we would have to learn about El Mosote. On a Thursday, we gathered together to get on a bus to go about six hours eastward to the till town of El Mosote through the mountains way out in the rural part of El Salvador. I'll never forget the visceral sickness that I started to feel as we stepped into that village and learned about this horror-filled chapter in El Salvador's 
history. In 1981, El Mosote was the site of a genocide, and nearly a thousand people lost their lives, the majority of them children. After the massacre, one person survived. One woman, Rufina Amaya, who was hiding at the time of the massacre and experienced the ghastliness of all of it. While she was hiding, all she had and all she said she could do was pray. And she prayed to God that if God would let her live, she would let her story be spread around the world so that all the world would know what took place there. She vowed that she would overcome her fear in that moment to bring about a word of life to others. Well, we have no idea what the depth of fear that Shipra and Pua must have felt on that day. The day they were faced by Pharaoh's words, a day when they chose defiance, a day when they chose confrontation, a day when they chose to not participate. We have no clue what was going through their minds in this complicated moment when Pharaoh approaches them and asks them such a terrible task to end the lives of these young children as they were being born. Maybe they were thinking of the harsh punishment that they might experience should they not follow his words. But I have to think that they were wondering about the genesis of this moment. How did we get here? What placed us in this position? Well, as the text tells us, a new king arose, a new leader for this nation, unelected, but predestined by the gods. It's clear that Shipra and Pua must have wondered how did they get here and how did we get here with this situation? We know the story. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. And Jacob's son, Joseph, was the youngest. And because his siblings got tired of listening to his banter, they did what many siblings do, and they sold him off, <laughs> sent him away, sold him into slavery, as siblings might do sometimes. And the Hebrew presence in Egypt, according to this story, is born. And after years and years, according to tradition, 400 years of being present there, at the beginning serving the throne, Joseph worked his way up and his descendants worked their way up to a place of privilege in the Egyptian palace, enjoying this privileged position in close proximity to the Pharaoh. But as we learned, times had changed, and Joseph's high position with the new king was old news, ancient history at this point. Joseph, yes, had risen to the status of vizier to the king and had saved the Egyptian people from famine by encouraging Pharaoh to store up some of the grain. But this privileged status of the Israelites was no longer. The people of Israel had lost their privileged status and pretty soon due to their growth, due to their families' growth, Pharaoh turned. Pharaoh began to enslave the people of Israel and fear them, fear the ways in which they might be able to rise up, fear the ways 
that they might be able to challenge his authority. We might jump ahead in our minds to think about that story, that story that defines the Jewish people, that story that has such a a place in our own hearts, the Exodus story. But long before this story, long before the Exodus story, long before the passing over, long before Moses, there were two women. In a story we don't always get to hear, Today we hear the story of two women who assisted with bringing life into being. Shipra and Pua, whose names we do know, we can't always say that about every woman who is mentioned in the Bible. Shipra and Pua were midwives. They brought about, the con- they, they helped women in bringing life into the world. Their wisdom and care and their energy helped to facilitate life coming into the world, bringing in the next generation. But Pharaoh was still nervous. Pharaoh was upset about the influence that these children could one day have. For the powerful, sometimes children are seen as a future liability and an easy victim for targeting. But Shipra and Pua heard this. They heard this order to do away with the children. They molded over in their minds, and they made a choice. They decided to defy this command from on high. Author Francine Clagsburn says that Shipra and Pua's refusal to follow Pharaoh's instruction for genocide might be the first known recorded incident of civil disobedience in history. They were asked to kill something that by themselves they emphatically refused to do. Their job was to bring about life. But through their own energy, through their own courage, through a little wordplay, They're able to tell Pharaoh the truth about themselves and about God. Somehow in the midst of this new reality, realizing the dangers of defying the king, they choose to keep the children alive. They set their lives on the line and engage in active disobedience of the authorities in the same way that we might see activists today challenging the authorities. They look Pharaoh in the face and they tell him of the vigor and the power of the Hebrew women. They don't hide what they did. Instead, they lift up women who are birthing as examples of strength, of power, of energy. That the women are so strong, they say, that it's impossible to stop life from coming out into the world, from leaving their bodies. They tell Pharaoh that with God, the current of life is inevitable, is inescapable. As peacemakers, we must never minimize our own actions for peace and justice in the world. Shipra and Pua would inspire Moses' own mother to save her son 
a tiny ark holding the baby on the Nile River, carrying him through to safety, carrying with him the destiny as liberator of so many people. Just as the God of Genesis calls creation good, Shifra and Pua act in this creative capacity to see the life before them as good, to call it good, to name it good, and to protect it. So friends, I ask us, do you feel this? Do you feel God's insistence of life tugging on your soul, tugging on your body, tugging on all of who you are? I don't know about you, but I often have to sigh when I read the news, when I see what's going on around the world, acknowledging that it's rough out there. There's a world out there with those who might snuff up the possibilities of new life, new life that flows out of our communities, new ideas that are generative, new life that can flow out of ourselves. See, the possibilities of new life flowing out of us are so strong out of ourselves, sometimes we cannot control it. Sometimes it's not possible to control the life-giving capacity of God for sowing seeds of peace and justice in the world. And friends, it says it in the scriptures. Those who are an oppressed minority, those who are working for God's justice and love, they are more numerous. They are more powerful than the pharaohs of long ago and the pharaohs of today. Others try to set taskmasters to impose upon them, but friends, God will not let them. And we must multiply with those who are being oppressed to multiply and thrive and bring this life in the world. Not all of us are faced with the gravity of stopping a genocide like Shifra and Pua did. But we are all called in each of our moments to maybe defy, to maybe let the current of life sweep us off our feet and into the world with love and peace. As the Baptist Peace Fellowship, we're working with Shifras and Puas all the time. We're supporting peacemakers in Uganda, who are supporting the lives of refugees who are fleeing the civil war there in the midst of a decade-long war that no one ever hears about. We're with peacemakers in southern Mexico who are working to address violence in their communities, originating with drug cartels and with other actors. We're working with peacemakers here in the United States to curb the violence that seems to be stealing so many lives due to guns, due to to violence in our communities. We're working with peacemakers in Cuba to bring an end to this brutal blockade that has snuffed out so much life. And friends, we invite each other together to support each other in our life-giving, peace-giving activities. Let's support each other in this work. After visiting the nightmare story of El Mosote, on that same day, we went just a few minutes away to visit a school that had been created eight years later 
to create to, to make art come out of the horrors of that moment, to turn and transition that moment into a place of art and creativity. We visited with the Grupo Morasan of a community called Segundo Montes, which is a school for artists, younger artists, who seek to make art as a challenge to the forces of violence and war, sowing seeds of love and peace. And in this same way, each of us is called to do the same, to be shipras and called to be puas in our own context, to boldly face fear and proclaim the truth in our own lives, to bring life into the world as God created and to create space for the next generations of peacemakers to go out into this world as well. Do we have the courage? Do we feel as if we can do it? Together, friends, together I believe we can. To be called to be shipras in the world, to be called to be puas in the world, to be called to give life and peace in our world. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Friends, I invite us now into an opportunity to give and serve. Let's take this moment to reflect on how each of us has gifts to share, to lead to the life-giving, liberational powers that we can lead with God here in the world. I invite you now to consider your resources, your time, your energy, your creativity to share with this community of faith and beyond. In the same way, Christ took the cup, saying, this cup 
going to 